Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. All right, so Peter, interesting character. I'm not going to get into some of his background. You know the story about him and some of the different things. You can understand why he emphasizes what he emphasizes, because he is the one that he did turn his back on Christ. And so uh, he writes from a perspective of be careful that you don't turn your back on Jesus. That's really the context of it all. Don't turn your back on Jesus. Don't get so wrapped up in this world and what they say that you forget and you, because of the difficulty of serving Christ, that you turn from Christ to just make it easier on you. That's basically the context of what Peter writes. But, you know, all of us are under a great deal of stress today. I don't know if you realize it or not. You, you may or may not because what happens is, and I'm not going to get into this very deeply, but just for a moment. Your brain, um, the way that God created you, he created you to adapt to seasons and situations. Um, that's why men and women in military, they can go through very difficult seasons and situations and make it through, but on the backside have post-traumatic stress disorder because now we had to process what we've just went through because that situation is over. Now we're re-entering civilian life and it's not the same. And so now we know how to deal with that and help people so much more with that. But you know, years ago when my grandfather and your grandfathers and, and our great grandfather, especially in, in the era of the great wars, uh, they did not know how to deal with this. And consequently, um, many men and women suffer greatly because of it. And this has been a very interesting season. You may not even realize it right now, but all of us are probably under some great deal of stress. You, you, you can try to say, well, no, it doesn't bother me at all. You're wrong. Anytime something changes so drastically as what has happened in the last year and a half, two years, your mind adjusts too. And we call it the new normal, whatever. The new normal. I'm like, you know, whatever. I mean, there's so many variants out there right now. I'm like, it's like watching Loki off of, you know, Disney Plus. You know what I'm saying? Like, every day there's a new variant. Like, whatever. You know, how long are we going to keep, you know, it's just the reality is what it is. But nonetheless, the, if you don't watch Marvel, you and I'm talking about, you're like, what's he talking about, Loki? What is that? It's a Marvel character. He shift, you know, he can change. Anyway, you just need to go watch this. Really good. <clears throat> but your brain can ad- adapt to the season. But when the season changes, your mind, if you don't process and get help with it, whatever, or just kind of walk through that, your brain's still functioning in the season that it just came out of, and we're in a new season. And that's really kind of what's going on now. We're in a different season. We're not in the season we were a year and a half ago. But we can't seem to work through it because we're still holding on to so many different things. And it's compounded right now. The reason I felt, I guess, led to prayer that earlier... It's compounded now because if I prayed for one thing that was in the news, we'd be here. I'd have to pray for 23 different things that's happened in the last week that's crazy. We'd be here all day, which is nothing wrong with praying for things that's all day. But the world has gone crazy. People have gone crazy. And they've always been crazy, but now it just seems like it's more public, you know. And it seems like all you do, if you pull up your news feed right now, I guarantee you, it just seems like you can find a disaster. Hardly ever do they talk about good stuff. And so... When you hear that, when Peter writes, this is very similar to his, the time in which he lived. He lived under the reign and more than likely was murdered or martyred under the reign of Nero. Very, very evil uh, ruler. 
But Peter writes to us saying that even though I'm under such great stress, I want you to know something. I want you to be sure that you don't turn from your faith because you're going to be challenged to the point as I once was sitting out by the fire as Jesus was being led off to the courts of crucifixion. And I turned because it got hard. And by the way, he turned when a little girl confronted him. <laughs> That's all it took for Peter. That's how shaky he was in his faith. And he's saying, be careful. I don't want you to turn like I did. So let me give you a little timeline and a, and a little bit of just some context. And then we'll talk some about it, okay? But this is Peter. This is the timeline, if you will. And so I'll step out of the way so you can see. Um, he's murdered or martyred, if you will, AD 64 to 67, because the timeline you know, is rough. But he writes 1 and 2 Peter from Rome around 60 to 67. So you look at that timeline. One of the things that's very interesting about these authors, who we all know are inspired by the Holy Spirit, they did not write these things. God himself even says, the word says, they were inspired as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. They didn't write of their own accord. But I find it very interesting, many of these authors, you find their writings to be at the end of their life. Which is very important, because especially if you're, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 40, 44, you know, trying to, Hang on to that. You know what I mean? So I've seen a few things, but I don't have the experience of some of you guys in here. When I talk to my grandmother, you know, she's, she can give me perspective on things that I have never thought of before. And what happens is, you know, it's very important for those of us who, you know, I tell my kids this, that it's so important for you to understand that as a person of faith, you live in a household of faith. My greatest prayer for you is that you don't get comfortable in a godly environment that it becomes easy for you and that you do what the Bible says. It, the Bible instructs us to teach our children, if you're a household of faith, if you're a generation of believers in your home and your kids are growing up in church, the Bible instructs us to warn them that you do not forget the Lord thy God, that when you have good things, when you have blessings, when you enter into the land in which I have given you, do not forget that it was the Lord thy God that blessed you, and he made you wealthy. Everything that we have, I'm careful to tell my kids, anything that you have that is good, it came from God. Yes, I work. Yes, your mother works. Yes, we do things, and yes, we'll provide for you the best we can. But anything that is good, it came from him. We're just being the best stewards we can possibly be with what we've been given. And that's important because what happens is when you don't have Christ and you come to faith, it's more, I don't know how to say this other than it, it can be a lot more because you came out of some really ungodly things, you tend to say, man, I don't want to go back to that. But if you grow up in godly atmospheres, you may not know anything about that. And you hear your parents talk, or you hear people talking, like, well, I don't understand what that was all about. Doesn't seem that big a deal. And well, it's because you've been blessed. And which wasn't better? It's better to grow up in a godly environment. That's the best. People say, oh, you don't have a testimony. Oh, yes, you do. The best testimony is that all you ever know is Jesus. That is the best testimony. I, I get tired of these people saying, oh, you've got to have a testimony. That's the best testimony. The best testimony is not I was on drugs, strung out, and I barely got in. No, that's an awful testimony. Who wants to live like that? Who wants to grow up in that atmosphere? That's awful. Been around that mess. I don't, it's not fun. It's not a good testimony. The best testimony is all I ever knew is Jesus. That's the best. But the other side of that is that you can be so comfortable that you, uh, you can forget what you've been given. So I, I say that because perspective. Um, 
These guys tend to write it towards the end of their life because they've learned some stuff. You know, it, it's funny how you grow and mature as you get older. You see things like, man, you know, my grandfather used to tell me this stuff. And I thought, yeah, 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 yeah. And now I think, man, why didn't I listen to that? Have you noticed the older you get, right? And we won't pick ages and whatever, but I'm, I'm seeing that with my own kids going like, they say, you know, tell me something like, yeah, well, here's what you need to think about. And I'm thinking, that sounds just like something Rudy would have said. And I went, yeah, 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 yeah. And now I'm thinking, wow, that was pretty smart. Perspective is a lot of things. So when Peter gives you this towards the end of his life, understand that he's not writing to you as someone is in his prime. He's, he's about to exit. He really wants you to understand how important this is. Another thing to the people that he's writing to, let me show you this map. <clears throat> and you can see, I'm going to kind of show you the map there, guys, if you can put that up. So who he's writing to, Peter's in Rome, okay? He's over here. He didn't have Amazon or you know UPS or nothing else, so this took a while. But this is the people he's writing to over here. Okay, we call it Asia, Asia Minor, whatever. This is the region which he's he's writing to. This is a good distance away. But he's writing them because in their culture, this is very interesting. I'm gonna read you an article. Um, I mean, you can get a number of different theological books, and and funny thing, I, I'm gonna tell you this, and and uh, I, I've never thought about this before. But I was given this information while we were at a, a conference. And the concern today is because of smartphones and all the technology that you have, and you can Google anything, is that you're getting your theology from Google. And that's really dangerous. Um, there's a lot of people out there that put a lot of things on the Internet that write a bunch of stuff, and they're idiots, in case you, you didn't know that. There's false teachers out there that do not care for you at all. They don't love you. They don't care for you. They just write evil things. There are some people who are unbelievers and atheists that are putting theological dissertations out there. And you need to be careful who you get your theology from. I say that because individuals warned us as pastors and pre you'd think we would, you know, well, I know that. But then when they tell us, you think, oh, I never thought about that. It is true. You see some weird stuff out there. But this is from... Uh, this is an actual from a uh, different theological study on Peter that I have. This is from biblical scholars. These are not people that just write and put stuff on the Internet. Okay, but th listen who Peter's writing to. This is very interesting. The Christians to whom Peter is writing were suffering a fiery trial from people who did not believe in Jesus. Listen very carefully to this. <clears throat> the Christians would not join their pagan neighbors in worshiping idols, drinking and seeking lustful pleasures. I'll leave it there, but you've read the Bible. It's pretty graphic, right? parties and all those kind of things, no restraints, it got pretty nuts. The Christians wouldn't participate in all these things. So they were called, watch this, haters of the human race. And they were classed with thieves and murderers. Evidently, this letter was written at a time when the general dislike of Christians was threatening to pass into active persecution, developed particularly by Nero. And those Christians needed encouragement from the one who knew what trials meant. And Peter points away from the trials to the future glory that awaited them to the example of Christ and also to the reward that would follow. Talking about Christ's return. Very interesting, right? Culturally speaking today, um, I don't know if you realize this, but in the last five to ten years, it went from being like, we'll put up with you, to people hate you. They just hate your guts. And 
the thing that I realized is, you know, you want to be open to try to help people. And our church is very much open. I want anybody to come to our church. Anybody. But I'm not going to let somebody put down a Christian. I'm not going to let somebody try to speak false theology. I'm not going to let a person come in and try to do you harm. So the problem is, what I see within Christianity right now, and some of the stuff Peter addresses, is this. Dealing with this idea of how do we do this as godly people. And when I say godly, you understand what I mean. That means we're not righteous in our own eyes. Um, it's because of Jesus. He's made you righteous because of the resurrection of Christ. You understand what I mean when I say that. We're not talking about our own righteousness. I'm talking about his righteousness in us. But how do you deal with the fact that as a godly people, we live in a world of ungodly people, and we're trying to reach them to Christ, but at the same time, we're supposed to hold a standard that is here and not budge on it, but yet there's grace for struggles, but yet there's also, we don't put up with this over here. Because this all about how do you navigate all this stuff? Well, so I think it's understanding the difference between godly and ungodly, okay? So as a pastor, let me just say, my main responsibility is make sure that I oversee. One of the, the main job descriptions I have in the Bible basically is an overseer, is a shepherd. I'm supposed to watch over you. Now, that sounds weird, because you could be weird if you get into some of that weird stuff that people did, you know. I'm not, I'm not going to be joining up at your house all the time trying to check up on you and that kind of thing. But at the same time, if I see things that's going to hurt the body... Then I'm going to deal with it because I'm, I'm a shepherd. That's what I'm, and you may not notice. You may think, well, I never thought about getting theology off the Internet. Is that a real problem? Oh, my goodness. People tweet weird stuff all the time. You ever read it? They tweet the weirdest stuff. I go, it's not even biblical. Where did they get that from? Somebody on the Internet thought it was cute, so they posted it. Just because somebody's on the Internet, just because they're on TV, doesn't mean that they are accurate. Read your Bible and see for yourself. But being in a church, very interesting, it's not like being on a podcast. In case you've ever noticed, you can't skip me. If you're sitting here right now, I got the microphone. Now, you can leave. You know, I love you, but, you know, that's, that's what Ryan just got up. That's hilarious. It's one of our ushers. It's no big deal. So, but you could leave. But guess what? That's your choice. But in a podcast, what can you do? Have you ever done it? Oh, they want to talk about loving your wife. Like Christ looked down, I'm going to skip that one. She was kind of mean the other day. <laughs> Love your husband. Abraham. What? Sarah responded to him like, Lord, I ain't listening to that joker. I skipped that one. Oh, the Lord loves you and the blessings of God and the favor for your life. How to get that? Click. You can pick and choose what you want. At a church, see, you can't. That is a very interesting thing. When you think about the way God designed what he did, in which, you know, if you're watching online, you can, you know, hopefully you can hang in there and, you know, you don't click off for now, but you have that choice. But the point is what I'm saying all that is because at church, it's not like in a pot. You can't skip. And at church, you're going to hear things that sometimes you go, like, well, I may or may not agree with that. But at the same point, God uses the gospel preaching to speak to people. I've been in this room and people tell me things that I said and I'm listening going like, I didn't say that. They're telling me what they're hearing. I go, I did not say that. I know for a fact I didn't say it. I go back, play the thing, and I go, I did say that. (laughs) Or they hear something that the Holy Spirit gave them in a different, for them, I wasn't emphasizing, but that was what they needed. And they go, you have no idea. I prayed for three weeks to hear this. I came here and I heard. That's not because of me. That's the way God works in his churches. 
And that's important because when Peter is speaking, he is saying there are times that you're going to hear some things that you need to hear that's going to sound very tough on the ungodly. It's going to sound like we don't care. It's going to sound like we don't love people. It's going to sound like we're bashing people, and that's not true. It's a warning. It's what it is. It's a warning. You know, Peter gives this emphasis. It's very interesting. He says, look, if God spared not the people in Noah's day, think not that he will spare the people of our day. We need, as Christians, this is very important to understand. This idea that God loves people, he will not send them to hell, is a false doctrine. You cannot love people into heaven. I hate to tell you this. I, you know, I've tried it. You know what people do? They take advantage of you and take all your money. I mean, my own dad, listen, I, don't, I can't tell you how many times I helped my own dad try to get his stuff straight. And all it ever did was cost me money, time, and pain. Until one day I finally realized, and the Holy Spirit just pretty much put it in the heart and said, you're, ne- you're not going to change him. He's going to have to come to Christ. He's going to have to make that decision. You can't fix it for him. As soon as I did that, game changed. Oh, no longer calls getting, oh, yeah, can you help me? Because you say no. No, I can't do that, Dad. Son, you can't buy me a carton of cigarettes? No, can't buy that. Well, why not? Because I'm not going to pay for you to smoke. Well, son, I mean, you don't know I just need them cigarettes. Well, I hate it for you. You shouldn't have spent your money on whatever you're spending on. You think you can come pick me up and take me over? No, I can't do that. Well, son, why not? I can't get over there. Well, I'm sorry. You're, you're a grown man. Now, we got, I'll just have to understand. He's a little, you know, a little rough around the edges, let's just say. But before he died, one of the last things we talked about was, I said, listen, he was complaining about how people, you know, wouldn't help him with this, help him with that. I said, well, listen, um, you know, you're a grown man. You're a grown man. That's something you should be able to do. So he took it a step further. Being that he was from deep Georgia, deep, you know, like what I mean is deep Georgia, kind of little country, but beyond country, you know. That's right, I'm a grown A-double-S man. That was his new word there last about six months. He would tell everybody that. But it didn't change anything. He just said he was one. I'm a grown-up man, except he used everywhere. But that didn't change anything. It just was talk. So my thing is, what I'm saying is this, you you can't love people into heaven. There has to be a confrontation with the gospel of Christ and a decision that is made and someone to say yes to Jesus and then everything else begins to change. But you cannot love someone in sexual sin into heaven. I know that's hard to hear, but this ungodly nature that is being proposed to Christianity, that we should just accept everything, walk through grace with people, and just it's going to be okay. Don't buy into this. Because it's not true. And you feel bad for people. Well, let me just tell you something. When I was an idiot, don't you think I am? Because I'm not now. But I, when I was, and I was doing crazy stuff. I mean, listen, man, I'm, I didn't tell my kids, have no, you have no idea me preaching here what the difference in me here versus me at 19, 18. You have no idea. If I even began to tell you, which I'm not, you would be shocked. 
It wasn't the people that made, oh, he just bless his heart. Those people never helped me. It was the people that let me straighten eye and said, listen, son, God loves you. He does. But what you're doing, he ain't a part of it. He don't love it. Nice as they could be, very caring, but wasn't messing around direct. They didn't say it's okay. Well, maybe you'll get better. Oh, well, you know, it's okay that you get mad and angry and throw fits and tantrums and hit stuff and all. You know, that's okay. You'll be all right. We'll just love you. No, they didn't do that. And today, Christianity is, is slowly becoming a thing where people say, well, we've got to love everybody so much and just accept everything. That's not what God does. There is ungodly and godly. And there are sides. Let me read you a verse of scripture to, to, to drive point the home, or home the point. First Peter 4.14 says, if you're reviled, this is First Peter chapter 4 and verse 14. I'm reading the American Standard. You can read it from your different translations. But <clears throat> it says if you're reviled. In other words, the word reviled here means this. If someone basically uses such profanity language at you for being a Christian, it is, I mean, they are ridiculing you. May not use profanity, but it, they are just going after you. You understand what I mean? Like really hard after you. If you're reviled for the name of Christ, you're blessed because, watch this, the spirit of glory and God rests on you. So if you get persecuted, understand this, that Jesus is resting upon you, right? It's awesome. Not fun to go through it, but it's good to know that he's with you. Make sure, though, watch this. He says, verse 15, make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer. Evildoer would encompass everything that you are seeing around the culture going on right now. Evildoer could fall into all kinds of different things. People saying, oh, this is acceptable today, this is not acceptable today, whatever. Evildoers are things that go against God's word, okay? He says, or a troublesome meddler. Meddling with stuff. I don't want to meddle too long in it, but you know what I mean. We all know what that is, right? The Bible calls them busy bodies, bouncing from house to house to try to deceive. And here's the sad thing. This is, when he's talking about these people, he's talking to people in a church saying, watch out for these folk. Because they come into church and try to deceive. And they say they're Christians, but they do this kind of stuff. So you know, well, uh, something ain't right. He says, be sure you don't suffer for any of these things. But, verse 16, if anyone suffers as a Christian, he's not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in his name. For it is time for the judgment to begin with the household of God. Now, here... You may, may not, this may cause heartburn, I don't know, but just listen to it anyway. It's time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel? Peter's very clear about this. God's very clear about this. Listen carefully to your Bible. And if it is with difficulty that the righteous are saved, what will be the outcome or the become of the godless man and of the sinner? In other words, you and I have been saved by the grace of God. Thank God for it. But you all know how, you think about when you got saved. Man, and you think about, you know, you could have been the one that didn't. How close you were going down a different route. How close you could have been to saying, uh, and you, God snatched you out of that situation or whatever you're in. You realize how grateful we are because we have been saved and how you and i know if it weren't for the grace of god and the blood of jesus and the resurrected christ you and i are going to hell you know it and i know it we would tell people that 
Well, oh, man, I was going straight to hell. I know it, man. If it hadn't been for Jesus. And that's all we built our lives. It's just Jesus. That was it. Well, if that's the case, the rejection of the gospel, there is no loving people in. It's not possible. You can't. You can't. There will be many in that day, the Lord says. I did this in your name. I did this for you. I fed this and I did that. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. Jesus said that. Stop listening to your favorite little preacher on TV or whatever you listen to telling you stuff like you just love people in. Jesus said in that day, I will say to them, depart from me for I never knew you. That's in your Bible in red. And we don't like to hear this stuff because we say, yeah, but the culture, they get so upset. They're going to hate you. They hate you now. It doesn't mean we turn our back on them. I want to reach people for Christ. But we are doing no one any favors by trying to love them and say, well, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. I know. I'll use a couple of calm examples, okay? I mean, it's okay. You're Jack the Ripper. You know, you kill people. It's okay. But God loves you anyway. That's ridiculous. But we will do the same thing with other issues. And we're not helping people in it at all. So Proverbs says it like this. Proverbs 11.31 says, If the righteous will be rewarded in the earth, how much more will the wicked and the sinner? This is the quote that Peter is putting into his writing. This is from Proverbs 11.31. If the righteous are rewarded in the earth, how much more than the wicked and the sinner? In other words, the Lord says when he comes back, man, the dead in Christ will rise first, then we do which are alive. We call it together with him in the heavens to be with the Lord. That's awesome. But guess what that means? That's if you know Christ. If you're not a Christian, that is not going to apply. And to tell people it is okay is not only wrong, it is false doctrine. And it doesn't mean I've got to be mean about it. It just means I need to be clear about the gospel message. There's only two options. You say, man, Pastor, what are you? There's only two options. Godly or ungodly. Now, I'm not trying to be political when I say this. Jesus said this, so just forget the political stuff for a moment. There's sheep and goats. There's ungodly and there's godly. There's saved and unsaved. There's right and there's left. Jesus clearly says all these things. Don't think political. Think what Jesus said. There are only two options. There's not a third option. That's reality, Christians. Thank you. Can I get an amen? Thank you. I just want to make sure that we are all on the same page. I know it's hard to hear sometimes, but guys, if we don't settle this now, in the next one to three to five years or whatever, I'm telling you, it's going to be a problem. A big problem. So, you either build your life on the rock or you stumble upon it. Peter talks about this. Jesus has been the rock. He's the cornerstone. You're either building your life on the rock of Christ Jesus. We sing songs about it, right? My life's built on the rock and all that. Or you're what? Constantly what? He's so gracious that he will stick himself right in front of you to the point where you trip so many times you finally say, okay, yes. But if we are not being clear about the gospel with people and say, oh, it's okay. Let me just give you a Band-Aid. I know you tripped over the rock. Let me just give you a Band-Aid. Let me, let me fix it for you. Let me, no, let him trip over the rock. That's why it's there. Come on, y'all understand what I'm saying? That's why it's there. 
I thank God I got to the bottom of my pit. I had some friends I was hanging out with, not my friends that are here. Just some group I was hanging out with, it was just terrible. I should have never gotten mixed up with these guys, they're just awful. But I remember I was so sick one night. It was, it was just, it was terrible. About as bad as last week, I think. But it was so bad. I just thought, man, I don't feel, I feel like I ain't gonna make it. Them jokers just dropped me off the house, didn't walk me in, left me in the driveway. No, didn't take me to the, nothing. My grandparents were out of town. I had nobody. I sat on the cold tile floor, face on the floor, thinking, man, I, I'm gonna die right here. My grandma and my granddad come home. They're gonna find my dead self right in front of her oven. And every time she cooks Christmas ham or something, she's gonna remember me. Here my face stuck on the tile. You know, it was awful. But right then is when I, I had stumbled so much. That's when it hit me. I said, you know what? They, they, they don't care. They don't care. I'm alone here. God, now we can have mercy. But you got to let people get to the end of themselves before they turn to Christ. And that's hard to do, but that's biblical. And if your love for the ungodly keeps you from discussing it or, it ignore, or you ignore it, it doesn't help them at all. Now, let me just say this. I don't, I don't agree with the... How, uh, you know, we, we can talk about this as a church. Where are we talking to talk about this kind of stuff? This is where, right? I'm not getting on the sidewalk and start screaming at people every time they walk by. You're dying and going to hell. You're dying and going to hell. You're a sinner. You know, and just get all crazy with them with a bull form, you know. Ah, that, that's not helping anybody at all. I took my kids to a concert this week. I told her, I said, this is crazy. I can't believe how God puts things and just makes sermon illustrations <clears throat> for me. Sometimes, but I took my family to a concert this weekend, and um, I'd planned this a long time back, but it was a Lauren Daigle concert. Now, whether you like her or not, I don't know, but let me just, it doesn't matter to me, I don't care. Didn't go for you, I went for my kids. My kids love her, and I don't care. So, the funny thing about it is, but people pick on her because she's skirted an issue, they feel like, because she wouldn't just say, you know, does God love homosexuals or something like that. So she wouldn't talk about it. She said, well, I just don't think it's my place. It's not her place. She's not a pastor. She's not a theologian. She's a stinking singer. Why can't people just sing anymore? Why can't people just cook chicken sandwiches anymore? Why do they got to have a position on everything? What are you? You know, I think it's ridiculous. Oh, now we got to go through for the Home Depot. Do we, do we, you know, are we, do they have the right thing in place for everybody? My gosh. Why can't I just buy a two by four? I just want a two by four. I don't need a position on it. It's a stinking two by four. I don't care. It's lumber. So, this guy, we are at the Lauren Daigle concert, walking up the sidewalk in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And here's the joke I tell with this bullhorn. Now he's not preaching to the ungodly for the most. I don't get. I don't know what he's like to the godly. Most people's going there. I mean, most of them are Christian. I think maybe they weren't. But I don't know. But he's blasting all the godly people, in a sense, I guess you'd say. Tell us, we're all going to hell. You like that Lauren Daigle, don't you? Hope you like her, because she's a... I'm not going to say the words he used, but every word that he used, was, I thought, you know, my six-year-old's right here. He used a word that I hadn't heard since I was in middle school to describe someone that's homosexual. F word. And my own six-year-old... I'm thinking, I, you know what? Now, this is the flip side. I was ready to go over there, and like, I wanted to say, hey, man, what's your problem? Like, my little six-year-old just heard you say something she's never heard anywhere else. This is at a concert for mostly Christian people. What's your problem? Why can't you just leave people? It's a, she's singing Christmas songs. That's all. What? 
He's going off, getting mad and crazy. My kids are like, what's wrong with him? I was like, he's an idiot. <laughs> that's why we don't do that. Did it make you feel better? No, Dad. It scared me. I'm like, that's why we don't do that. It doesn't help anybody. We get in there. Here's what he doesn't understand. We get in there. Now, I'm not, whether you like or not, I don't care. It don't matter to me. Um, but we get in there. She pulls all these kids up on the stage, cuts a $25,000 check to pay for these kids for a nonprofit to learn music in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Kids are underprivileged kids that don't have the money to go. And she's paying for kids to learn. And I don't know if these people are Christian or not leading it, but she gave glory to God numerous, numerous times, worshiped God, said he was king, talked about Jesus and whatever else. And I thought, here's a guy here with a bullhorn, cost him $25 from Amazon, going bananas out there, calling people every name in the book, has no idea what she's probably making an impact with over here. All because why? He, he wants to go at it. That's not how we're going to reach ungodly people. He was going after the godly people, I think, but that, you're not going to do it that way. We do have to love people, but we have to be clear with our message. And so he deals with this ungodly and godly. And you need to know this, that you are godly because of the grace of Jesus. Yes. The blood of Jesus sanctifies you. Yes. But stop making excuses and saying, well, God loves everybody. Yeah, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever should believe upon him would have. If God don't love everybody and then you're saved. That's not how it works. That's church of universalism. And that's false doctrine. So you may say, well, what, Pastor, what got you on all this? Because you read Peter, it makes you like, man, that's right. He's right. He knows what it means to turn away from Christ because of the persecution. And I'm telling you now, hear the voice of a, you know, a clarion call or whatever. Listen to me this morning. Persecution may be coming. Don't let it. Don't let it turn you. That's one of the things I was going to talk about in this. But I think I'll just read a couple of other thoughts and, and just stick with this a little bit. There's a difference between ungodly and godly, but there's also a difference between having this idea of respect and honor. You know, I don't have to be disrespectful with a bullhorn going crazy on people. I can have respect for people, even if I don't believe the way I believe. It doesn't bother me a bit. I really don't care. When I go through Starbucks, I think it's, you know, a little odd. Like, I ain't into doing some of the stuff that people do sometimes to give me my coffee. But I don't care. I mean, ask me, I'm not trendy. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be trendy. I ain't on Twitter and Instagram showing you my next shoe set. I got a couple pair of shoes. I'm a simple dude. I don't, I hate having to make choice. I make too many choices. So to me, I got a black pair of shoe, a brown pair of shoe, a couple of tennis shoes and work boots. That's it. I don't care. Okay. Steven's got 400 pair of shoes in a closet with lights on it. He's so bougie. It's not even funny. He had to teach me the word bougie. I don't even keep up with that stuff. It's not my thing. But watch this. If it's your thing and you install, whatever, floats your boat. But when I go through Starbucks, I get a coffee. Not so much right now, but, uh, you know, when I go through, I get a coffee. And you know what? I want to be nice to people. Why? Because they are under the same stress as you're under. So I tell them, thank you. Went to Six Flags. Um, this is where I think I got this cold from that I went through. That was awful. I mean, I'll tell you, I couldn't talk. I, it, it, you know, it ain't good for a preacher who can't talk, but it was not fun at all. <clears throat> but we went to Six Flags. It was a Sunday 
that I preached, and then we left Sunday, took the kids there. And anyway, we were riding on these rides, and I got to talk to some of the workers there. They make minimum wage. Many of them are 16, 17-year-old kids pushing buttons. And they said to me, this one girl said to me, she works so much, she's going to be called in all that week because people won't work. So she's working all week, gets paid very little. And she told me, she said, I said, well, hey, thanks for doing this for my kids. And the ride shut down, and then they... You know, they got to ride it again. But I said, listen, thank you for doing what you're doing. I really appreciate y'all. I know it might be tough for you right now, but my kids, you made my kids today. Like, they've had the best time, and I really appreciate y'all working. And, and she said to me, she said, thank you so much. She said, you can't, you can't imagine how many snotty people come through every single day. And I thought, God help us. I hope they don't have fish on their shirt. Or an I love Jesus thing or a WWJD and they get all crazy. I start telling more. Th- I start telling my kids every time you get on one of these rides, tell them thank you. Start telling everyone I'm thank you. They said, "Why, Dad? Like, what do you? They get paid to be here. What are you talking about?" I said, "Yeah, everybody gets paid to be somewhere, but you know what? They don't get a lot of appreciation." So I start telling people that's the thing at the Lowe's counter when I go get my lumber. You know, thank you. When I go get my food somewhere. I tell them thank you. When I go out here somewhere, I pay. yeah, they're working, yeah, just like you are. They're under stress, just like you are. But how many snotty people have come through in the last week that's made their day miserable? And here's the thing. People, they don't expect us to be perfect. They really don't. They just expect us to be different. She looked at me like, man, why, why would you say thank you for that? It's a ride. I'm getting paid to be here. Like, kind of look... I was like, you know, I know you don't have to be here. Half the employees aren't. They run on 50% staff at Six Flags. And it was a wonderful experience, honestly. It really was. It was it was very clean, neat. They'd really done a great job. And it was all a bunch of teenagers running it. And I told everyone, thank you. You guys are doing great. I really, I told I, this is going to pay off in the long run. You're going to be better for having to do this right now. You're going to be a great employee or an employer one day for learning how to work hard in difficult seasons. It's going to pay you back. Thank you. Just thank you. The last thing I just want to close out with this thought is this idea of suffering and trials. So so there's godly and ungodly that Peter talks about, and you got to pick a side. And picking a side doesn't mean a political position. It means Jesus or not Jesus. Politics work their way out. It really does. Peter talks about honoring the king. And you can disagree with people. I don't agree with a lot of the people in leadership right now. That doesn't mean I can't pray for them and pray God's best for them, that they, they would listen. You know, the big difference between I can disagree with you and still respect you, right? I mean, those of you guys weren't in Alabama shirts, I hate them. But I love you. And I will love you. And hopefully you love me through this season. We'll get over it as we do every year. It's just our new slogan should be wait till next year. That's just what we should. We can have disagreements and cut up, right? I can have respect for you, so disagree. But Peter ends with this last thing. He says, listen, there's going to be some suffering and some trials. And he says, look, you need to understand that in life, you're going to have suffering and trials. And he says in 1 Peter 4.12, he says, do not be surprised. Important word, do not be surprised when these fiery trials or ordeals come among you, which comes among you for your testing. It doesn't mean God sent it. It just means don't be surprised. You're a Christian, and the side that you have picked is going to require persecution. 
that you're, you are going to face some things because you pick this side. You, you don't, you're not going to get away. If you're a Christian, you're going to get called out because you're going to have to decide whether or not you actually believe what the Bible says about marriage or not. You said, why are you talking about this so much right now this year? Because I've never had so many people ask me what I'm going to do and so many confusing thoughts and talks and discussions about marriage in my life. Even when they passed the thing years ago, I hadn't had as many conversations as this this year. And people are confused. Pastors are confused. Church is confused. They're changing and getting out of denominations and everything else and saying we're going to do this because we're going to marry everybody. Because we've got to love everybody. I thought we loved Jesus first. Yeah, but we don't want to not love people. Well, I'm loving people, but I'm loving Jesus first. Jesus said, if you love me, then guess what? There's going to be something. You're going to be against some brothers and some sisters and some mothers and some fathers, even, in your own house. If you pick Jesus, people will be against you. It doesn't mean you've got to be against them, but they will be against you. And so Peter says... But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you might rejoice with exultation. Keep on rejoicing. Keep on rejoicing. Paul said, man, they beat me. They left me for the dead. I was shipwrecked. I was hit with rocks. I was beaten down. But man, I got up and I gave glory to God in the midst of my persecution. Yeah, they may hate my guts, but you know what? I'm still going to go to church. What am I going to do? I'm going to worship Jesus. Why? Because I picked this side. I didn't pick that side. I picked this side. Yeah, but what are we going to do when they, when we, oh, what are we going to do about politics? I don't know what we're going to do about politics. But on Sunday morning, I'm going to come and do this. I'm going to keep on what? Rejoicing. Yeah, but what if they do this? I don't know what we're going to do about that. But here's what I'm going to do. We're going to come in here and I'm going to do this. Because he's the one that's first. He's the one that saved me, and so I'm going to return back to him what I can, and that is worship. So this morning, I want you to hear something to me about your trials. People have said this so many times. When you go through difficulty, well, you know, your trials are so precious. Trials are more precious than gold. And that's not what the Bible says. The trial is not precious. The trial is not even close to being precious. He says the trying of your faith. The trying of your faith, which is more precious than gold. I'm not a grammarian. I am not great at English, but I know this much is true. When that context of that sentence structure is like it is, he's referring to your faith is more precious than gold. Trials are not precious. My faith is precious and you might be going through difficulty right now today you may be going through a struggle you may be taking some persecution at work because of your belief in Christ and maybe you're facing some issues and maybe you're having difficulty what I'm saying today you may be having man I what am I supposed to do with you just got to deal with some stuff my job is not trying to figure out what am I going to do with all that it's first to say do I do I submit first of all to the worship of Jesus now I go from there But you need to understand that the trial isn't precious that you're going through. Your faith is. And this last year and a half, whatever you've been struggling through, through whatever you've had to put on you, if we just take a minute to God and say, okay, Lord, bring bring it on. How do you 
how are you trying to shake this out? You trying to shake something out of me? You trying to change me? You trying to do something to me? Come on, let's do it. Let's do it now. Do it now, Lord. I don't want, I don't want to drag this on any longer. Well, what do you want to do? Because my faith is what's precious. Trial's not, but if I'm going to overcome this, how, help me how? Help me how right now? How do I overcome that then? Maybe your anger is just rising up in you so bad because of what you see on the news and your, and your, your government and everything else. You just, and I know, listen, it, it's, it's frustrating about a lot of things. I get it. But what are we going to do with that? Well, I'm told be angry and sin not. So what am I supposed to do? God, what are you trying to do in me right now? Oh, God, have mercy. What are you trying to do in me right now, right? Give it back to the Lord. If your job is so frustrating, if, you're, if it's driving you crazy, you're like, I don't, they just keep doing this and putting more on me and putting more on me. And maybe like Six Flags, maybe they're half-staffed. Maybe they hit a hit in the budget. Maybe that all this stuff going on. I don't know. But maybe it's coming at you. God, what are you trying to do right now? Do something to me right Take this trial. But let, my faith can overcome it. So how? What can I do, God? What are you trying to do to me right now? Instead of getting worked up about all that's going on, how about getting worked up in here? Oh, God, I'm on the godly side. What are you trying to do to me? What are you trying to teach me? How can I overcome this right now? And I think God would do something great in our lives if we'd let him. When you're reading Peter this week, Peter 1 and Peter 2, and i tell you what, it's all about persevering through the struggle. So this morning, I want to pray for you. And I don't know, I've already prayed for worship, but for worrying and for anxiety and things like that. But I just want to pray for you right now. If you're here and you're watching online right now, maybe you don't know Christ, you've never accepted Christ. I want to pray for you this morning. So would you bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment? Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Jody, I, I think, I think I'm saved. Or maybe you're watching online right now. You say, I think I'm saved. But I don't know. And you're saying, pick a side. That's, that's really hard for me to do because I got friends, I got family, I got this. And you know what's going to happen when I say yes to Jesus? If I give him everything, if I go all in on Christ, man, they're going to quit being my friend. Or maybe they're going to fire me. Or maybe they're, that's a price you pay for coming to Christ. You lose some stuff. You really do. But the gain is much greater. It's worth it all. So if you're here, you're watching online either way right now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Would you just close your eyes and just pray this with me. The whole church is going to pray with you right now. If you don't know Jesus, just pray this prayer after me. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. And dear Jesus, I choose you. I choose you over everything else. I pick you. I ask you to save me. To forgive me and I make you the Lord of my life in Jesus name amen amen man if you pray that prayer we're so proud of you right church oh, me. man forgive me for radio disc jockey voice today but made it through it so anyway uh, hey man if you want to take a moment on, on, on your smartphone or if you're watching online it's in your text to your computer there connect.cornerstonerome.com We'll get you any information you need about following Christ or maybe you need some supplies or some information. If you want to know some more information about the church, connect.cornerstonerome.com. Be glad to help you with anything there. I just want to say to you, if in the area of your faith, um, I want to do something now because if you pray that prayer, you're saved. But you need to tell people that. And the Bible says this, that with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but confession is made of salvation. The idea that, this idea that confession is is almost and look I, I I'm getting all the details but confession is very important 
Confession is very important. So right now, here's what I'd love you to do. You're going to say a couple of things with me, and then we're going to dismiss, okay? So won't you stand to your feet? And here's what I'm going to do. We're going to say a couple of things together, and then I'm going to speak the Lord's blessing over you, okay? But here's what I want you to say with me right now. You're going to say this. Say, I am a believer. I am a Christian. I am born again. I am saved. I am... I, I, I was pausing for a reflection there. I am saved. Why do I do that? Because the Bible says, it, with the heart... A person believes, but confession is made unto salvation. This is why, this is again, another, you cannot just be saved by believing. I believe in God, so does the devil and his angels. Confession is made of salvation. I'm a Christian. I ain't just going to put it on Facebook. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I'm not perfect, but I'm saved. And you tell people that why it builds up your faith. I'm a Christian. I'm saved. So you don't get pulled away under persecution. So this morning before you go, I'd love to speak this over you out of Numbers chapter 6. This is Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24. And this is uh, what the Lord told Aaron, uh, or told Moses. If you tell Aaron, you instruct him uh, to, to speak this over the church or the congregation, if you will, every time, every single time. So Numbers chapter 6. I think I'll pull on the screen for you so you can see it as well. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24, it just says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. Keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord make his peace or give you his peace and, and make, make his face shine upon you. I can't remember it now. I've lost it myself. Let me let me turn to Numbers chapter 6. My mind just went blank completely. You know, as much as I say, you'd think I'd know it. Alright, here we go. Numbers chapter 26, verse 24. It says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face upon you and give you his peace. God bless you guys so much. You're dismissed. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.